0: hey everybody this is adam host of the podcast you're about to listen to don't skip this it's not an ad just dropping in to let you know this episode was originally recorded and released back in july of 2018 but at the time it was a subscriber only episode we're releasing it publicly now because i'm gonna be honest i don't think any episode we could possibly release would be more timely than this one because i think we can all agree the most important thing happening in the united states this november is obviously the nba draft which is happening wednesday november 18th and to celebrate that we're re-releasing this episode which is about the 1985 nba draft which seems like it might have been rigged just a little bit now all of that said If you were a subscriber on Patreon or Supercast, you would be getting a bonus episode today, which would be part two of our exploration into the strange, strange death of Senator Paul Wellstone. That's a whole series of episodes, and it'll be out publicly in some form at some point, but if you're a subscriber, you can give it a listen right now. So fine, I guess this was kind of an ad. Patreon.com slash Unpops. Unpopsnetwork.supercast.tech. Anyway, let's listen to this episode about the 1985 NBA draft. Thanks, everybody. We love you. Welcome to Conspiracy, the show, with your hosts, Adam Todd Brown connor McSpaden. hey everybody welcome to conspiracy the show i'm adam todd brown i'm brett raider you're not connor McSpadden. oh i am not Connor is writing for a Comedy Central roast. Oh, that's cool. The next couple of weeks. I don't know if I'm supposed to say which one, so I I'll think just say that. I think it's actually been announced. It, I, I actually don't remember who it is, but it's Bruce like... Bruce Willis? Yes, yes, that's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've read about it online. Yeah, he's... He's writing for that. He That's just posted awesome. he posted about it on Instagram, so I assume I'm fine. We're talking it's still sports month. I don't know why I said still. This is the second week of sports month it on Conspiracy is. the Show. So it still is What sports was last month. week? Last week we talked about Barry Bonds and my personal conspiracy theory that Major League Baseball kind of manufactured the steroid. Scandal. They to, supplied the steroids to cover up the amphetamine scandal and to uh, discredit Barry Bonds. Mm. So this week we're talking about the 1985 NBA draft lottery. Of course, the yeah the the conspiracy. To, that's the biggest conspiracy of of all sports conspiracies, right? I like, think so. Well, I think we'll we'll glance over a few other NBA ones, but the nba that's what may i should add before we get started that the a lot of the research for this episode comes from the book the 25 greatest sports conspiracy theories of all time by elliot kolb and then there's also some youtube videos we'll put up links you get it this seems believable to me just because the nba is just seems like a shady outfit now i was aware of this for a long long time and i did zero research into it until you sent me the this would be the topic and you sent me a couple of links in youtube videos to look over i had heard one version of the conspiracy theory which is the hardest to prove right and i didn't even know the version that we're gonna go through today which is basically like very very provable yeah like the only thing you can't prove is like the intent, in, the intent of People who you know of this thing that happened 33 years ago, right, but it, it seems like the intent is pretty I, I think they make a good case for this yeah team. well we can make a good case yeah. for like what the what the motivation would be right, and the thing about the NBA they have cheating scandals pretty often, but they usually land on the side of the referees. they're a good mark yeah the what was the good fall guy what? Good Fall Guy, the referees. Oh. Nobody likes him, anyways. I thought you were making a reference to the TV show, The Fall Guy, no. for some reason. My ears perked up. Watched that a lot as a kid. Who was the ref that got in trouble? I don't or remember. He actually went. To Once you click on it, I'll remember. Prison. His name. Yeah, Tim Donaghy. Tim Donaghy, and I remember that guy. Like he, he was a NBA ref for a long goddamn time, and eventually served fifteen months in prison for Mm. betting on games and possibly fixing games with the help of or at the behest of the mafia yeah and it comes up all the time people point out that officiating is always not always but there are a lot of cases where it seems like they're officiating in a way to make a certain outcome happen and yeah, so just to explain for the people who don't really follow sports, it's um it's I mean, I guess it's easy to do in really any sport, any but basically what a referee will do is they'll sort of officiate a game in a way that certain like maybe the maybe lots of players on one team get fouls and players on the other team don't really get fouls right. or they try and keep it within a certain a specific point range. So, you know, just whatever yeah. the you know, whatever the higher-ups are like, "Oh, we want this game to go under the You know, the total or over whatever. Yeah, the most recent example is actually this year's Western Conference Finals. Game six of the Western Conference Finals, which was... It it was pretty clear that Golden State was just not getting called for fouls. Yeah. And Houston was getting called for everything. Also, game six of the... 0-1 oh, or 0-2 oh, Western Conference Finals between the Lakers and the Sacramento Kings,
1: right? Rockets Warriors Game Six. This is the end of This the is way
0: too long did. to really watch
1: all of it. Out there. But Durant gets called for. Um, if you go out to YouTube, YouTube Chris H's YouTube page, cool. than, uh, Rockets oh, no, versus Warriors, Wasn't even facing the WCF,
0: WCF Game WCF Six, officiating.
1: Fact, if they want to call it cool, they just need to call it the same way on the other. And day. there are Here is, um, the first a lot of examples of Houston getting called for fouls that. That Golden State definitely season. does not get called out for. There. This was his first and the the, game. The, is is and the the thinking behind it is that the NBA uh, wanted Golden State Gordon in the gets finals gets the as to opposed to space,
0: Houston um, being restricted by Nick Oh teams, yeah, obviously. Yeah, well, or they wanted the Rockets, to go seventy turnovers of nature. And possession, all right, having that in the background is gonna fucking wear me out. It was it was destroying me. Yeah, and the the game you just mentioned. I, I would argue every championship Shaquille O'Neal won with the Lakers. That's three of them, baby. Was an example of horrible officiating because they would just let Shaquille O'Neal elbow a motherfucker in the chest and they would never call it. Mm. I wonder as the Lakers apologist, I wonder if they let him get those extra calls because they knew at the in the last five minutes of every game people would hack a shack. Yeah, I mean maybe, but that's like basically people would just uh, intentionally foul him because at he was the end a terrible free throw yeah. shooter. Yeah. 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 yeah it could have been, but it was yeah, the the game that really stands out during that Lakers run is they were playing the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, I in, think it was also game 6 of the Western. Yeah. I think it was 01 or 02. I don't remember specifically which. I believe year. 02. Yeah. Free throws as the Lakers and uh it was yeah, it was 02. yeah, Sacramento. 2002. And Sacramento was up by, like, 15 at one point. Yeah. And all of a sudden, like, everyone who's guarding Shaq just fouls out. Yeah. And there's one point where Vlade Divac is already on the bench because he's in foul trouble. And Scott Pollard fouls out. And Vlade Divac just starts laughing uproariously at the call. Because it was, like, the if you compare what people due to Shaq compared to what Shaq does to people in this game? Like, Shaq should have fouled out. I think that's more the thing, is Shaq would have fouled out of every game in, like, the second quarter. Well, that's, that's sort of, I mean, this gets into a larger conversation about, like, what superstars are allowed to do versus what other people are allowed to do. Routinely, I mean, from Kobe and Michael Jordan to LeBron and Durant and Chris Paul and James Harden today, all the superstars travel all the time. They oh, yeah. It's like seven steps to do a layup. Allen Aver- Iverson double dribbled quite yeah. frequently, or they yeah. would carry. But if you're a rookie player, you don't get that call. And there's sort of this weird hierarchy of like in the artistry of, of refereeing, they give, the better, they give the better players more benefit of the doubt on these calls. Yeah. stuff and it's is that super loud yeah it is really loud now i understand why you say it's really loud all the time when um when i am engineering it just the mix is different how about now
1: who knows who well, part, a part of it is just i have a
0: hard time game. concentrating on two things at once yeah, yeah. i'm just a bit asperity so yeah it happened a lot during it happened with jordan a lot too i won't I'm a Bulls fan, so I'll be objective about it. And it wasn't so much – it was more the traveling with Jordan. Yeah, well, basically all this comes down to for the layperson is that there are many examples of star players getting foul calls or or players on preferable teams. Super teams. Super teams, big market market teams, teams. teams. Lakers, Bulls, Golden State Warriors versus the Sacramento Kings, you know versus i mean i guess houston's a bigger city than san francisco but you know a lot of this before we get into the the meat of this this is all all the, the context is basketball is better or the league makes more money the league is healthier when there are power teams that are in large media markets right chicago new york los angeles san francisco i guess you could add to that yeah they've been added to it like it used to be the other way golden state used to be the third or fourth biggest in the country so it's weird that houston doesn't get that sort of deferential treatment yeah he's liberal bias (laughs) but this isn't this isn't this is not just this is not just uh, a phenomenon in basketball this is baseball too the league likes it and the rule and we can get into sort of salary how the salary cap plays into this as well Baseball does better when the Yankees and the Dodgers are doing better. Right. Right? And the and the Cubs. And, you know, these teams that have long histories and are from big markets where there are millions and millions of people watching. The NFL is very popular in America only, but the NFL is sort of constructed and the rules are at the the front the rules that the front offices play by in terms of them signing which players, how long they can keep players and stuff. The rules are made in the NFL so that there's a lot of variance each year between which teams are good and which teams are bad. Right. There are still teams like the Patriots which are really really good for 15 years or so. Right. But Jacksonville, Jacksonville can be Jacksonville made the AFC, they almost went to the Super Bowl, they were one game away from the Super Bowl, maybe they'll be good for the next year or two and then they can drop off again. And yeah. Jacksonville being really good at making the Super Bowl for a year or two doesn't hurt the NFL the way that in baseball, if it's like Seattle versus Tampa, Bay, Arizona, those are in the same league. Yeah, Arizona oh, yeah, yeah, versus Tampa Bay—that's like, oh, that's a that's a big, that's a big whiff. It's for, a bummer. It's a bummer for baseball. And basketball is very similar. They want the Lakers to do it. That's why LeBron's on the Lakers right now. You know? Yeah. Imagine the NBA finals being like. Sacramento versus the Charlotte Bobcats Yeah You'd kill yourself No one would watch that Exactly So there is And weirdly it almost never happens in the NBA So to get into the 1985 draft You have to understand that it is in the league's benefit For teams like the Knicks to do well For teams like the Celtics, the Lakers to, to do well and it's it's been argued for a long time that they manipulate the game in a way to make that happen. Yeah. And that's kind of the crux of what we're and talking we about. We have today. this video evidence right here of these we have this the Golden State Warriors versus the Houston Rockets. The Warriors are getting a lot of calls. It's because they're a super team. Yeah. Steph Curry is the most if you ask anyone under seventeen years old who their favorite player is, it's Steph Curry. Oh it's, yeah, even sure. though he's like 6'3" and incredible, he looks on, well, on camera because he's so much shorter than the other guys, he looks like he's 5'4" and he has these sweet baby blue eyes. Yeah, He looks like a kid next door and kids love him. He's kind of got this panache and he like chews on his on his mouthpiece a certain way and he right. fires up these crazy three-pointers. Durant obviously, very very popular player. On the other side, James Harden, who's who dates Kardashians and goes to strip clubs all the time <laughs> and Chris Paul, who you might recognize from TV and being a lot of state farm ads, but actually isn't really well liked in the no, NBA no. community. Yeah. And when I was a kid, it was Jordan, obviously. Yeah. And if a really good example of Jordan getting away with a huge foul in a huge moment is his final shot with the Chicago Bulls when they hit. win that yeah. sixth NBA championship, he just, pushes Brian Russell out of the way. Mm -hmm. There's and the announcer goes, Oh, Russell slipped. It's like, no, he got shoved in the ass by Michael (laughs) Jordan forcibly. It's a bit human nature, right? Like, you know, if you have let's let's put this in let's make this an example we could all think of. I mean you don't know my brother, but my brother (laughs) Ethan is like just not the favorite son. I'm the favorite son. I'm sorry Ethan. Ethan knows this. Ethan and I are bros. But, hey. (laughs) But anytime I do anything, my parents, my grandparents, God rest their soul, (laughs) are like, oh, Brett, how how cool. Wow. What a cool thing. And then the moment my brother talks, they're like, oh, shut up, Ethan. (laughs) And it's just like – and Ethan and I could do the same thing. And it's like, oh, good job, Brett. Oh, you're so smart. And they just hate whenever Ethan does that. (laughs) And it's just – so yeah. it's a bit of like, well, we want Michael Jordan to win, and we don't want John Stockton <laughs> to, <want> to, win. <laughs> to <laughs> win. We don't want the Utah Jazz to win. Like, yeah. And I was always uh, – as a kid, I always hated the Western Conference. Like, I thought aside from the Lakers, the Western Conference was just a boring fucking conference to yeah, watch. Yeah, I wasn't super up on the – I hated on the Spurs. during – yeah, the Spurs. Well, the Spurs kind of suck. Like – yeah, Even as someone who watches a lot more basketball now, there's some. The Spurs are the Spurs are like boring. The, the Spurs are like a, yeah. The Spurs are like are a bit like the Patriots a bit. Yeah, where they're like they're. It's automatic that they'll be there every year, and it's like actually quite boring and monolithic. Right. Fuck the Spurs. Yeah. Uh, but today, so today we're talking about the '85 draft lottery. Which was the first time the NBA ever handled their draft in this way, which is an interesting thing. And (laughs) the the argument is that the NBA rigged this draft lottery so Patrick Ewing would go to New York. Patrick Ewing, you know, in 1985, coming out of Georgetown University, big center. If I mean, he's one of the more famous basketball players of the 80s and 90s. He's really, really good. Uh, He ended up having a great career, despite not. Uh, winning a, a championship right but that at the time he was coming out of college people assumed he was going to be like th- the next bill russell yeah or yeah, something. yeah like he was and he kind of was but he didn't he just never won a championship and what we were just saying about the nba needing a team in a major market to be playing well really applied to the knicks at the time because they were great in the late 60s and 70s they won a couple championships mm-hmm. And then they just sucked for 14 solid years. Yeah. Like, they were terrible for a long time. And their tickets, like, they used to sell out Madison Square Garden all the time. Their ticket sales dropped. People stopped watching. And the NBA was making less money. And at the end of the 86 season, their television contract was coming up. So... They they needed something good to happen in New York to get yeah. more. The TV contracts are how all these leagues make tons and tons of money. So yeah, and like I think it's 2021 when the NFL's contracts are up. This is how this is how all the AFC games are on CBS and all the NFC games are on Fox. That's all sort of decided every four or five years with these TV contracts. that right. These TV networks paid literally billions and billions of dollars to the leagues for the right to have, you know, certain games. And, they, and with basketball, ABC has the rights now, so they pay yeah. billions and billions of dollars, literally, B, yeah, capital B billions, to the league for the rights to air those games. So it's a it's a big it's a big deal, right? And the so the NBA at the time had a lot of motive to fix this draft. They had their popularity. Like, they, they got – the NBA got really popular again in the 80s, but it was the late 80s. It was before – Yeah. It was – you know, that was more Jordan and the Pistons in the late 80s. But this, we're talking 1984, 85. Sort of Magic Bird era. Yeah. The, is, it's, pop, it's popular, but it's kind of only – but it's really – popular for Celtics and Lakers fans. It's popular basically. in Massachusetts and Southern California. Right. Yeah. And I I watched a lot of it because my dad was for some reason a Lakers fan. But mm-hmm. beyond that, I didn't like I didn't give a shit about the NBA at this time either. I mean, I was a young kid, but I watched a lot of sports. And they also had a huge cocaine problem. <laughs> Like eight, every, I mean, when you look in back the 80s, into it, every sport, every did. sport had, a, I mean, every industry had a cocaine problem. But their players were being really vocal about it, like doing interviews. There was an LA Times report that estimated that between 40 to 75% of players were using cocaine. So on the conservative side, a little bit less than half of them were just doing cocaine. Right. All the time. And that finally, the Len Bias thing happened after this draft lottery. But so Len Bias, uh, just you know, some more context. A year later, the Celtics draft this guy Len Bias, who who is drafted coming. I forgot what school he's coming out of. He's a young Maryland. Guy. He's a young guy, so you know, yeah. twenty twenty two, something like that. And between the draft and the beginning of the season, dies of a cocaine overdose. He died that night. Oh, he died that night? Yeah. I, was, I wasn't I was born yet, so it's all right. Yeah, he I died know these things. technically the next day, but it was like two or three in the morning. Oh, okay. And this was right when the crack epidemic was starting. Yeah. And yeah, the Len Bias thing, it wrecked the Celtics because the Celtics traded away a bunch of picks to get Len Bias. And then yeah. they draft him, and he died that night of a cocaine overdose. We'll talk a little bit later about the mechanics of how someone wins the draft, but you don't win the draft. You don't win the draft lottery every year, getting the first, getting you know, right one of these high picks. So for that pick to die, like it's not like they can award them. Oh, you can go next year. No, sorry, yeah. the guy died. Like, sorry, that's horrible. Yeah, don't do so much cocaine. Yeah, he should have done a little less. Yeah. we haven't talked about the way the draft worked before this yeah previously if you wanted the first pick in the draft you had to be one of the two worst teams in the league and then you had to win a coin flip that's it Mm -hmm. if you had the worst or second worst record you had a 50 percent chance of getting the number one draft pick yeah and they decided to change it in 85 for some reason yeah for some reason, they decide in 1985 that it should be seven teams competing for the number one pick. Well, that's because the if they didn't change it, who would have been the two teams competing for the number one the pick? The Golden State Warriors and the Indiana Pacers. So San Francisco or Indiana? Yeah, and at this time, the Golden State Warriors were not what they are now. They were a fucking... They were a tr- D-League team, basically. I mean, they they had they won some championships, I think, in the 70s. Right. But in the 80s and 90s and all of the 2000s up until 2012, basically, yeah. they were a trash, trash team. Yeah. They were the Cleveland Browns of the San Francisco. Right. right. San if, they, if a player went to Golden State, I was just like, oh, I'll never see them again. They were just like so forgettable, that whole, yeah. the whole franchise was, for 30 years. Yeah. So the NBA didn't want that they did not want patrick ewing ending up in indiana or golden state yeah oakland san francisco whatever but the other argument was that the old system encouraged teams to just tank the entire season to get that number one pick the problem is that never stopped like after they changed it that the spurs did it the spurs did it to get david robinson and tim duncan yeah so you know to just kind of zoom out a bit they changed this from this this thing of the two worst teams will flip a coin and they'll get the one and two picks to for the first time in the 85 draft all right seven teams and we'll have a lottery to determine. It. Right. Now to right now it's 14 teams the worst 14 the, every team that doesn't make the playoffs which is 14 teams enters a there's a there's a lottery. It's a little bit more statistically uh, it's it's a little bit harder to to fix and there's some Right it's a it's a bit different than how they did the lottery this time the lottery this time was like literally like sticking your hand in a in a ball it was shady it was, it was yeah, very exactly. shady exactly and they still can't so now they've gone from two teams to seven teams to 14 teams and they can't fix the tanking angle the angle of well we're not really going to be good this year so why don't we try to be really bad so we have the highest chance of getting yeah. this number one pick listen I don't know if you can get rid of it. I, this. Is a bigger this is a bigger conversation that we don't have to talk about right here. But this is going to happen every year. The NFL has a similar thing. The team with the worst the worst uh, record gets the number one pick in the draft. Yeah, but we don't see the tanking as much because there's only 16 games. Like it's like yeah, and you're gonna lose you're gonna lose the games that you're supposed to lose in the NFL rather than basketball is a little bit closer to baseball it's a little bit more of a coin flip every night not right. every not every night not, i mean the the atlanta hawks playing the golden state warriors are going to the yeah. warriors like of today the warriors are going to win most most times. of but the they, time but, but they might lose. but they might lose one yeah. or two games just out of the sort of variance of night to night basketball so i don't know if you can get rid of tanking like unless you come up with something different the more the more incentive you have to get this this up uh, prize at the end you're going to take advantage of that right so the philadelphia 76ers take advantage of that and i think they're going to try and move in the next few years to something to prevent tanking where if you get a top three pick you can't get another top three pick for like another year or two so even if you're the worst team in the league and you win the lottery you'll just get picked number four so oh wow i think that's how they're trying to curb it but when you play 80 or when you play 82 games a season and you suck you're just gonna keep losing. Yeah, yeah. And that's my, that's the end of my rant. Pretty much, and so yeah, they ostensibly the goal here was to stop teams from doing that, but they uh, just really the goal was get Patrick Ewing to New Yeah, York. but really, what happens is now seven now seven to ten teams are competing for those seven spots, right? And they wanted to get some some bigger. They wanted to get the Knicks, yeah, involved in that lottery. Right. And so they decide to change the draft to a system where it's almost like if you've ever watched the lottery drawings on television, there's a big bowl. It's it's less than that. It's like bingo at the local retirement home. Because that... The states have to – with the state lottery, there has to be some sort of transparency behind it because if you find out California is fixing the lottery for some, like, (laughs) friend of the comptroller or whatever, then that's not going to be a good look for California or Illinois or whatever. Yeah, this they just threw a bunch of envelopes in a big – what they do Round now drum. there's 14 teams there's 14 teams that are eligible for the lottery each team has a different statistical chance of of winning the lottery the team with the worst record has like i think a 25% chance of winning the lottery and they literally put like they don't put a th- they put like 100 balls in there and they assign each team certain sets of numbers so for example, who had the best chance of winning the lottery last year? Uh, it was the Phoenix Suns, I think. Right? Yeah, probably. They were assigned numbers like zero 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 one through two five zero zero. Literally, so they they literally just draw out the numbers and write. Okay, we have number four six nine seven. Oh, yeah, that's tied to the Detroit Pistons. The Detroit right. Pistons have one. Rather than this time, they literally put seven envelopes in a big ball, like big clear ball that anyone could see into. Like you would playing bingo. Right. And they just spun it around a couple times like they're at a fucking county fair. Yeah. If you want to watch the video that a lot of what we're talking about next comes from, it's on YouTube, conveniently enough. It's called, Did David Stern Fix the 1985 NBA Draft? By Mike Corzamba on YouTube. Mm-hmm. It has like a million-some views. It's a short video, too. It's like yeah. only five or six minutes. Yeah, it's
1: it's, it's really very short. digestible.
0: More digestible than this podcast. Absolutely. But keep listening. Yeah, definitely. Please keep listening. Subscribe. So, yeah. So what happens with this draft lottery? There's This is basically the Zapruder film of basketball. Because there is video footage of this happening and it has been examined over and over and over but what happens is basically they switch to this draft lottery and the first weird part about it is the guy who brings the envelopes out a dude named jack wagner yeah and jack wagner is he's from the accounting firm of ernst and whitney which is what we always hear like anytime an impartial person has to bring something it's always an accounting firm yeah cut to the oscars two years ago oh man moonlight drama yeah so seemingly he is a a neutral third party but he also ernst and whitney was the auditing firm for gulf and western incorporated who owned the new york knicks at the time oh so that part's weird as we know in new york city there's only one accounting company firm and it's ernst and whitney did we know that? No, it's a joke. No, it's a joke. It's <laughs> New York. There's tons of tons of big, high level investment banks and accounting firms and all sorts of. You lived there. Shit. I didn't know if you had. It. Like, literally, every- no one fucks with any other accounting no, firms. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, what's really weird, and we'll watch. Let's let's just watch. I mean, the people at home will have to fire up this video and watch with us. It starts around the three minute and 44 second right order. point yeah. is when they start talking about the actual depositing of the envelopes. Right. So this guy, Jack Wagner, who works for the accounting firm that has ties to the company that owns, owns the, Knicks, the Knicks, comes out onto the stage, and they had this big glass or plastic ball, and he throws – there are seven envelopes. He throws the envelopes into the ball. Right. So this is where we're at. And – Take it away, Internet video. Peter
1: Stern selected them. As Obviously. Wagner tosses the envelopes into the plastic ball, he presents the first piece of evidence that the draft was rigged. Look closely as he bangs the fourth envelope, which contained the New York Knicks draft card, against the metal of the plastic ball. As the- he, he's
0: not even subtle about it. Okay, so he tosses like three or four envelopes. There's seven envelopes. He tosses like three in, and there's sort of an axle in the middle of the ball. And he tosses three in without a problem, and then on the fourth one, he just, like, smashes the envelope up against the (laughs) axle. Like, he clearly has the motion right. And then after he drops this this now kind of crumpled and folded envelope into into the ball, he then, for the other three envelopes, Tosses them in completely normally and doesn't smash them into right. this, this axle in the middle of the ball. And another good question to ask about how he does it also is, if you're going to spin the thing and mix them up, why not just toss them all in at once? Why did they have to go in like you're dealing cards? Maybe. I don't know. And that so the argument here is that he basically... To prove that there's seven... Just as a, you know... Yeah, I suppose. To prove that there are seven envelopes. Come on, man. So the argument here is that he basically... Basically bends the corner of this envelope so David Stern can see it. Yeah. And will know which envelope contains the Knicks card so they win the draft.
1: And the envelope falls into the ball. If we freeze time, we can see that the corner of the envelope is now bent.
0: What's funny about that part is I cannot see that it's bent in that clip that he shows. No, uh, this clip is not very good cuz it's it's like this is a vhs transfer this is like some espn right like you know airing of this from 1985 the cameras aren't as good they don't have hd i can't tell from this but the next the next clip but yeah. the next shot actually shows it really clearly and so that's the that's the first part is this guy throwing this envelope in and bending the corner that's yeah. where the physical part of this conspiracy starts and so the next part is David Stern. And I think the video here makes a really great point.
1: Hardly anything suspicious about this. As the David's, lottery continues. Yeah,
0: David Stern. His the, head. He's, yeah. Well, yeah, he's the, he's the commissioner, commissioner of, of, the, the of the league. And he's actually going to be the one who sticks his hand in and pulls out the cards. Right.
1: And. The ball is rotated as Stern looks intently at the envelope. He
0: does not take around. his eyes off. He then walks
1: envelopes. up to the ball. Ready to select the envelope that will give the team inside it the first pick in the draft. As he prepares himself, Stern lets out a very deep breath.
0: Why did he do that? I don't know. I can't like I can't prove anything of that in a court of law. Yeah, I mean, I am not a big city lawyer, but. You can't prove anything in the quarter law, but this should this is the first time the NBA has ever built this contraption to fuck around with on draft day. Like this should be a very lighthearted moment for David Stern. And he looks petrified. He does look a bit like if he selects the wrong one, like his family's gonna be <laughs> murdered. <laughs> he does. Yeah, that's what the sigh is sort of reminiscent of, but I can't say that. Yeah, uh, I mean it, it means I don't can't say that it means anything. It's I think that's the least of of the of the pieces of evidence here. Yeah, I mean it's inadmissible in my court. <laughs> Judge Joe Brown over here. Let's go on.
1: Obviously indicating that he is nervous. Is he nervous about being in front of a lot of people? Something he's probably never faced as commissioner of the NBA? That
0: was sarcasm, is folks. He nervous
1: about something else.
0: Like having his kneecaps broken by the mafia if Patrick Ewing
1: Urns doesn't to go to Whitney, New York. what up? <laughs>
0: the hood fucks with the The next us. few Urns seconds the- are what
1: <laughs> cements the 1985 draft lottery as one of the NBA's biggest conspiracies. As Stern reaches into the plastic ball, we are going to freeze. As the camera clears...
0: Now, okay. here, you really see that bent corner. It's bent. It's bent, baby. It's very obviously... Ben.
1: Get Billy picks up the Ben corner on the envelope that contains the Knicks pick. Surely, if we can see the Ben now on a video that is from 1985, presumably Good Stern point. can see it in real life. Now, as Stern reaches into the ball, he clearly grabs multiple envelopes as another envelope has landed on top of the Knicks envelope. He then, for some reason... Flips the envelope he has grabbed around before dropping all but one. The one with the bent <laughs> quarter. The one that gave the Knicks the first pick in the 1985 draft. And so there you have it.
0: So there you have it. So there you have it. So you have it. It's more convincing if you watch the video yourself, probably, yeah. than just Brett and I trying to explain Listen, it to you. If you are the commissioner of a fantasy football league, or at, I don't know how you do it. But my league does it. We literally all put fucking our names in a hat and someone throws – everyone just rips up a piece of paper. If you are just picking randomly out of a hat and you really don't care about the outcome or you understand the outcome to be truly neutral, what you do is you quarter, you sort of – a normal human sticks their hand in, doesn't even look and just sort of wishes the right. hand around once the hand is in there too to – Not only has it been spun around by the ball or the hat or whatever, but I'm going to make it even more random by just sort of shaking my hand inside of there and grabbing the name (laughs) that says, Brett, you're the first pick of the draft. He has his eyes laser focused (laughs) on the bent envelope the entire time. He sticks his hand in. There is an envelope on top of the bent envelope. He reaches his hand to avoid the envelope on top of the bent envelope and flips it and picks out the bent (laughs) one. I didn't even know about the whole bent envelope theory. There had been this thing, this rumor as well that there's no way to prove that this guy Wagner from Ernst and Whitney had put the Nick's envelope in a freezer like yeah. all day and that so when Stern tuck put his hand in there would be a cold envelope. Right. And it could have been a combination of those It could have been things. that there's no way to prove that. Right, So th- I'd only heard about the frozen envelope theory is that the, the, the envelope had been in a, a fridge or a freezer yeah. all day. Um, and then it was added to the the ball. But this is really actually more convincing than the it, frozen envelope. Yeah, I think. I think it is really convincing. And the thing about it, in the book we mentioned at the top of the episode, that writer includes a – I won't read the whole thing, but he includes a – snippet from an article written in the Dallas Morning News the next day by a writer named Randy Galloway. And this writer basically says, yeah, in the weeks leading up to the draft, everyone was like, the Knicks are going to get Patrick Ewing, and the NBA is going to make sure the Knicks get Patrick Ewing. And then the draft happens, and the Knicks get Patrick Ewing, and this guy's just like, you know, we can't prove it, but it seems fishy. So this was um, immediately upon when this happened. People were like, that's weird. Not even immediately. Weeks before, people knew that the combination of the teams in the draft, it was like the LA Clippers. Yeah, they're from LA, but who cares? Indiana, Golden State, a few other just... Just real suck, real sucker teams. They were in there, and everyone before the draft was like, "Oh yeah, I wonder how New York's going to win this one. <laughs> I wonder how that's going to happen, but it's going to happen." They knew that this was going to happen. So then, what yeah. it did, it confirmed the, it confirmed the whole thing, right? And a lot of times when there's a conspiracy theory, people look to the result, and they're like, "Well, what they wanted to happen didn't happen, so the it, it's it's yeah. not true." And in this case, you know, the Knicks winning a championship didn't happen. But Patrick Ewing absolutely turned that team around. Yeah, just yeah. They, I think they 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 went to one NBA Finals. Or was, was that he even on the team in in ninety nine? Uh, I'm yeah, he went he to probably, an NBA Finals. Yeah. The ones where they the one where they played the Heat. No, I think right. When, no, that what they lost to the Spurs. It was a it was a. a I think it was ninety nine. Was when the season oh, was yeah. cut short because of a strike. 48 hours after the draft, the Knicks got a 1,000 season ticket requests back in the day when you had to call a motherfucker to do it. Call Ticketron. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the NBA, they obviously renewed their deal with CBS. Ewing won NBA Rookie of the Year. I didn't realize this. He took them to 13 consecutive playoff appearances. Yeah, they were good. They were good for the 90s. They didn't yeah. win a championship. I mean, when you're playing the Bulls in the playoffs every year with Michael Jordan, that's gonna—it's not that going to w- be great. Right. It's not going to be great for your uh for your odds, but like they they were they were a contender that were in the mix for the next 15 years. Yeah. Yeah, and he they they kind of just ran into Michael Jordan and we're talking on actually it, it'll be up by the time people hear this, but me and Brett have a sports podcast. Mm. An unnamed sports <laughs> podcast as of now. And we talk about LeBron James on the inaugural episode. LeBron James, LeBron James, I love that fucking kid. He's so the good. best. And that's kind of what happened to LeBron early in his career: is he that he was taking Cleveland to the finals and to the semifinals, and just always running up against some really fucking great team like the the, it's the Celtics, the Celtics the at the time, and, in the Spurs. Yeah, the Spurs. Yeah, but still, Patrick Ewing took them to thirteen straight playoff appearances, two NBA finals. By the time he left the Knicks, they had a streak of 347 consecutive sellout games at Madison Square Garden. During his 15 seasons with the team, in total, they had 394 sellouts. The 39 years prior to him joining the Knicks, the team only had 205 sellouts. I don't believe sellout data. No. (laughs) Sellout data is, is don't believe anytime anyone's like, oh, yeah, we've sold out this many Yeah, because a lot of times selling it, because basically what can happen before a game or what does happen anytime these teams, I think the Red Sox have had like consecutive sellouts for like, for like 80 years or something. Right. Just ended. What happens at the end of the game is the ticket office is like, all right, we have 300 tickets left. What do we do? Oh, let's give them to a charity. Okay, and you literally just drop them off at the door of like a charity right. three hours before the game starts. And like, yeah, you guys can sh- show up or whatever. Or say that you did and just throw the tickets in the trash. Right, right. So that's – and I've worked in ticketing before. <laughs> I've lived in New York and I've worked in Broadway ticketing. That's what happens when you want to maintain a sellout or give the appearance of a sellout is you just – you print the tickets you comp them and then you literally throw them in the trash or you just give them or you literally give them away to people. Right. For free. So that it is sold out. It's just that a thousand of the seats were comped and you gave them away on the street. Or you yeah. threw them in the trash can. Yeah. But it he did he did turn things around. Though. Yeah. Like for New York, definitely. They just didn't win a championship yeah. because Jordan's the greatest of all time. That's all. So that's the that's the Knicks. NBA draft lottery conspiracy. I'm more convinced than I was two days ago. Yeah, I, I buy this one for sure. I never saw the, the envelope folding business. I never saw that. I'd only heard about the frozen envelope thing, which is you just like, can't prove. Yeah. You can't prove whether this one guy who was like, alone with the envelopes all day put one of them <laughs> in a fridge. I don't know. How funny would it be if he forgot to bring it with him? What if Still he, at home in his freezer. What if he accidentally brought out uh, a box of popsicles instead of the Knicks... That would be great. These baby, these <laughs> Nestle. Cream sickle these, wins the first pick in yeah. the draft. So that's the episode. This is a Patreon-only episode, so you don't have to subscribe to anything, baby. It's your Patreon dollars hard at work. Mm, uh, was it good for you? I bet it was good for mm, them. Yeah. Maybe not. Who knows? So next week, I don't know what we're talking about on the Conspiracy Pod, but check out me and Brett's uh, sports podcast. We'll probably add a third co-host at some point. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, We'll come up with a name for it, or we'll just call it Unnamed Sports
1: Podcast. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Who knows? What's the best SEO title for it? (laughs) Just sports podcast. Sports podcast. Free. For free. (laughs) (laughs) What do you have to plug, Brett? Guys, this season of Big Brother is heating up up i need to get this on the soundboard (laughs) i know i know i didn't bring one today (laughs) big brother's great this year just on the feeds last night there was some drama about who jizzed on the on the bathroom seat (laughs) (laughs) so much good stuff going on uh i have a podcast about it it's for free it's called hey julie find it on twitter at hey julie bb search for it wherever you get your pods You'll find it. You'll find it. Listen, you don't have much to do this summer, so like regardless of whether you even watch Big Brother, like it's pretty easy to follow. They just vote someone out of the house each week. Whatever. It's very stupid. Me and my friend Danielle, we're both very stupid people, and we just sort of goof <laughs> off on this stupid show for the summer. So join us at Hey Julie. Give it a listen. All right, let's get the fuck out of here, Brett. Say goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. We love you. People
1: of Earth, your planet is about to be destroyed.